Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Good afternoon. I'm Leon Davis. I want to thank you for joining me. This is uh, Altitude Adjustment. On uh, March the 15th of this year, Tony Robbins was giving one of his motivational seminars. Uh, he took a moment to uh, speak about the Me Too movement, and it probably didn't go as he originally had planned. Uh, actually, the whole event was a kind of microcosm of corporate America. When I, I talk about corporate culture, and I'm speaking about specifically the behavior that is displayed by management and allowed to exist inside of a company. Uh, Robbins, who is hired by companies to give his seminars, his positive message of empowerment, self-help, and motivation to employees, uh, is part of helping set a company's expectations of its employees impacts and it impacts the culture of that organization thus the corporate culture now robin's actions regarding the me too movement um, reflect on the mindset and attitude that he brings to those organizations when he is called on so um i took um some clips from this encounter and you may or may not have uh, be familiar with the encounter or watch the the video of his interactions with Nanine um, so let me start by saying that I don't follow Tony Robbins very closely so my observations are probably cursory at best uh, the first clip or the first video kind of sets the tone for the topic that I'm talking about now Robbins initial comments were not captured on the video uh, so it picks up where Nanine's uh, gave back her rebuttal to Robbins. Let's get that started. I think you misunderstand the Me Too movement. I think the Me Too Not for you, personally. I'm not misunderstanding you. You can educate me. I'm telling you I've read these because my life is about helping people have new choices. So when I see them, I've read so many, thousands. Have you read thousands? Or are you gonna tell me what your experience of the Me Too movement is? Because I respect all of you. You can use the Me Too movement to be such a beautiful thing. I'm not knocking the Me Too movement. I'm knocking victimhood. Raise your hand if you follow it. And I'm not suggesting you have to agree with me. I'm just suggesting you consider what its impact is. Look at these people and see what is empowerment. Anger is not empowerment. What you're seeing is people making themselves significant by making somebody else wrong and getting certainty. And there's nothing wrong with that. It just won't make you happy. Okay. So one of the first things that I noticed about the clip was his use of intimidation. He spoke about his wealth of knowledge and his experience versus her feelings and experience. So he by a preponderance of what he knows and what he's uh, learned and what he shared, um, he tries to make her point seem less focused or as intense as his. Uh, he asserts that, um, that the women are trying to make themselves happy rather than uh, uh, referring to them as creating a level playing field. Now, usually a movement starts after someone or some group has tried to use logic, reason, or a less aggressive avenue to affect change, and they failed. 
then maybe anger and frustration or what seems to be left to them um, is how they try to affect change. Now, asserting that the movement is about anger and self-gratification will is completely overlooks how things got to that point. The object of the protest always, in my opinion, should be investigated for any culpability in the reason for the protest. Now, he, he confronts the impact of the Me Too movement without confronting the impact of corporate and individual behavior, which has brought about the Me Too movement. He states that he sees the movement as a weapon and not as a defense response. So when I talk about the um, looking at the object of the protest as culpable, um, I wanted to use this analogy like a teacher in a classroom, teacher uh, has her back to the classroom and maybe writing some instructions. And the teacher turns around and notices that one student strikes another student. Then acts as though that student maybe initiated the, the, the situation not realizing that the student that they saw strike the other student was actually acting in defense and self-defense. And the person who was caught doing the striking is then treated as the offender. Now, is there some culpability in that? Well, if you strike back, Yes, depending on the situation, but in this particular movement, the striking back is more of a tool to affect change than it is actually trying to cause harm or, or danger to the whole industry. The goal is to make sure that every individual has an opportunity to participate, to be treated fairly, and to achieve their full potential because we know that or that a lot of people are not being allowed to to reach their full potential now he also uh, refers to uh, some in the me too movement as attempting to <clears throat> um, make other people wrong now what i say is um, if you do something wrong if you do something that is wrong aren't you wrong and shouldn't you be called on that and though he's making the argument that uh, they're trying to make someone else they're trying to make themselves feel better by making someone else wrong um, if a person if the, if the other person is wrong if they're doing something that they need to be called on um, it doesn't you can't fault the person who's um, trying to get the other person to recognize that their behavior is detrimental um, by saying um, you're doing it to make someone else wrong. They're, they're doing it to highlight what is wrong in the first place and that, that can't be wrong in and of itself. So you can't be wrong to correct a wrong. I'm going to share this next video. Let's see. It won't make them better or it won't make you better. And oh, by the way, 
What did Jesus say about us? I'm like, religious believers, you can be anybody, you don't have to be Jesus. But who should throw the stone? You shouldn't throw that stone if you live in a fucking glass house. Is there any one of us that hasn't done something that we prefer we not, or that we're embarrassed by, or was hurtful even we didn't end it to? Who here has never done anything of that nature in your life? Raise your hand. One liar. Thank you. So I'm not mocking the Me Too movement. I'm mocking victimhood. If you use the Me Too movement to try to get significance and certainty by attacking and destroying someone else, you haven't thrown an ounce. All you've done is basically use a drug called significance to make yourself feel good. Or certainty. Raise your hand if you see this. Question or comment? Okay, I'm going to stop that and I'll, I'll come back to the rest of that. Um, so he, he makes the argument that, or he tries to make the argument that if you've never done anything wrong, then, you're the, then you can speak up. And what that, what that does is, if, 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 we, if we all, I think most people get it, it's pretty obvious that if that we are flawed human beings and that we do have some things that we can always look back and believe that we can improve upon. And if we only um, speak up when we don't feel like we have anything that we can improve upon, would, no one would ever speak up. No one would ever challenge uh, any wrongs because we've all been wrong at some point or we've all had something that we can look back at it and say, I didn't do my best there and I could do better. But that doesn't negate being able to speak up because identifying and I always like to say see something say something if you if you see something wrong because you are wrong does not mean you should not speak up that that doesn't two wrongs don't make a right so allowing another wrong because you've been wrong isn't going to make it right so I, I, I thought that was pretty unfair um, to even bring up that way and I felt it was another uh, tactic, a bullying tactic. So there, there were a couple of bullying tactics exhibited in the videos so far. And so with our current environment of trying to fight against bullying and things like that, I don't know if he was um, using that as a way to highlight what bullying is or if he is is really like that, if he's really bullying a bullying type person as I, as I said I don't follow him on a regular basis I've seen several of his videos before and I found a lot of the information that he provides very good but in this particular instance I didn't find that that the information that was being provided was exceptionally helpful or or uh, creating a better environment helping us move forward and I've got a little bit more on that uh, coming up so let me um, share this. This is the last video. I won't uh, bore you with the whole thing, but I do want to finish with her uh, making her point. She uh, spoke up in opposition to, or explaining her uh, side of what she saw his behavior as. And, and then he performed a little exercise. And I think, and I've heard a lot uh, or that he was attacked a lot for that. And he apologized. I, and he apologized to the uh, 
woman who started the Me Too movement. But uh, let me let me get this video started for you real quick, and then we'll finish up. You're using it differently than some other people. What I'm suggesting to you is it's easy to see when a person gets angry and attacks. Rarely, watch this. Come over here. Yes, please. Watch. Put out your fist. Why are you pushing back? I didn't tell you to push back. Why are you pushing back? Why are you pushing so hard? So you're telling me that the harder I push, the more you're going to comply and I'm going to be safe. Well, Chopra says don't resist. I don't give a fuck what Chopra says. I know, Mr. Chopra. This has nothing to do with it. You're still resisting. She's still pushing on me. I've pointed out she's still pushing on me. Why is she still pushing? And when you push someone else, it doesn't make you more safe. It just makes them angry. But it's awareness. You, it's not pushing. Uh, in Hollywood, where most of this is the most intense, I have so many clients there. And I talk to men all the time, and it breaks my heart for women, not for men. Because I just was someone the other day, very famous man, very powerful man, who's saying how stressed he is because he interviewed three people that day. One was a woman, two were men. The woman was better qualified, but she was very attractive, and he knew I can't have him around because it's too big a risk, and he hired somebody else. I've had a dozen men tell me this. So I want you to know, I'm not telling you what to do. No, you're giving me, you're giving me the, an excuse. You're telling me that the more I push, the more I'm going to be safe. Is it true? It's not. Listen to me. There are plenty of women in this room and plenty will have a different point of view. I'm not asking you to take my point of view. I'm asking you to consider how you use anything, technology. Okay. Hopefully you were able to hear all of that. I know it was a little, um, the, the video wasn't that great. But uh, I, I cut off the earlier video where she explained that she felt that he was uh, misrepresenting the U2 movement. Um, but that was how that uh, exercise started with the pushing. Now, he acknowledges that uh, she's using the movement differently than what he had laid out. Um, that should have then nullified the argument that it was in a movement based on um, anger and emotion, um, but it didn't because he continued to emphasize his particular view and talking about the victimhood, which which is one of the things that he rail, uh, rails against. I don't want to call it rails, but he uh, teaches against. Uh, my thought is that he should have it quickly, oh, pardon me, it quickly acknowledged that there are the two sides to the arguments and giving hers a little bit more weight because uh, it was important to understanding the argument to show that he realized what she was saying was in some point factual. Um, he didn't do that. So he then begins this demonstration and he uses pushing her and explaining that pushing or re and resisting does not make her safer. Now, I am in absolute and total disagreement with him on this one. First, uh, he was pushing her and pointed out that he was she was pushing back. Uh, that's a basic tenet of self-defense. 
It's a self-defense mechanism because she didn't trust him. It is natural that she wouldn't trust him. She didn't know what he was trying to accomplish. He didn't tell her or give her any warning about what he was going to do. And so she reacted in what any responsible person would have done. Um, it is a complete self-defense mechanism. So that you try to protect yourself in a situation where you could possibly end up injured or unsafe in other ways. And you do just do it naturally. So it wasn't that she was trying to push back against him because she was angry or there were some emotional tenants involved in it. It was strictly a self-defense mechanism, which anybody would have done. So the, the, I don't know if that demonstration really was useful in driving home the idea that not pushing back or, or pushing back or resisting or pushing has anything to do with the whole Me Too movement. Um, her resistance, uh, though it may not have been completely or may not have completely stunted his advances, it does allow her some options on how to protect herself and it gives her more of a sure footing. So if you take that into uh, not just the physical world in this demonstration, but in the business world and in the Me Too movement, when you are under attack or under siege, as the Me Too movement Feel, uh, feels that they are and they're fighting back so that they can maintain a level of stability to either recover or to create some alternate force to blunt stunt or stop advances that are not benefiting them the me too movement may seem like an attack but i believe uh, women have lost so much ground that they feel they have to fight back to maintain sure footing so that they don't continue to lose ground. It is not necessarily an attack or an attempt to assert, but I'm sorry, but an attempt to assert what is right and proper. They could either fight back or they can continue to walk backwards and continue to lose ground until the offending force either abates itself or determines that it has achieved its objectives and no longer pushes. Now, the video got to my absolute favorite part, the coup de grace. Well, favorite, I'm being facetious. He mentions illegal activity to support his, his opposition to the Me Too movement that is hurting women. He talks about a manager that hired a lesser skilled man over an attractive woman because she was pretty. The equal opportunity laws were created specifically with this behavior in mind. Then he goes on to make note of a dozen more illegal actors that have performed illegally in his presence. This situation, the Me Too movement, the managers hiring, not hiring people because they're attractive, uh, is another instance of victim blaming. It is incumbent upon management and people in power to create environments that are safe and effective for everyone and to ensure individuals are measured by their skills and abilities and not because of how they're perceived. 
as much as it is sold in our society, beauty is still only a perception. Corporate or management is not about managing people. It's not about directing someone to do their job. The reason you hire someone is because they, <clears throat> pardon me, can do their job. But in life, there are always things that get in our way that make it difficult for us to continue to do our job on a regular basis. I believe it is management's responsibility to, prov to make what is necessary for an employee to be able to do their job. If you've got an employee that has a short-term medical problem, you don't get rid of the employee. If you can, you adjust the environment so that the employee can get through that medical emergency and then come back because because of their skills, because of their, their value to the company, because of what they have contributed to the team. And it's not about just making that person do the job. And if they're not, um, if they're not, if they're not meeting expectations, that's actually on management. And I've said that before because it's, it's management's responsibility to uh, make sure that they have the training, that they have all of the tools necessary to meet their goals and their objectives. And so it's not about, um, you know, just directing. It, it is about creating an environment of success. If a person fails in a company, there is a responsibility of the person to achieve. But what did the company do to make sure that person was successful other than hire them? Did they make sure that the environment allows every person in the, on their team to be successful? And that's a part of corporate culture, corporate culture. Alrighty. So there were a couple of articles that um, I had read in researching and putting together this show. And I'm just going to take a couple of paragraphs from that. Um, the from uh, an article from the Washington Post. Uh, let me get you the title of that article really quick. Uh, the title of the article from the Washington Post was self-help gurus like Tony Robbins have often stood in the way of social change. And this is just an excerpt from that article. Now, I've concluded the links to the articles and the video in the podcast description so that you can do see what you I used for research uh, and what and what I used to put the show together. Now, uh, from the article. Robin's words weren't an isolated reaction to the Me Too movement. They, were, they embodied an antipathy to social movements that is central to the American self-help industry. 
Since the 17th century, self-improvement schemes have reliably been rooted in the belief that weak individual will, not social malaise or structural inequality, is at the heart of all problems, from poverty to extra pounds to sickness to sexual assault. It's called self-help for a reason, and taken too far, this ethos can tend towards solipsism, solipsism at the expense of social change. Uh, also, the, an article from the Chicago Tribune uh, title, Oh, come on, Tony Robbins, your story about attractive women not getting hired is truly pathetic. So from that article, uh, the fact that famous, powerful men have historically had carte blanche to treat others in a way they would never under any circumstances except for themselves. Then there is a part in here. Morning, Dan. Swing by my office later and let me tell you what that handsome suit makes me want to do to you. All my wife says hi is galling. You know what's not galling? A movement that works to both quantify it and end such behavior. Since Tarana Burke's Me Too movement gained widespread attention last fall, women and men have publicly shared brutal stories of childhood rape, workplace sexual assault, death threats, unwanted touching, so much unwanted touching, and serial harassment. So there was a lot of pushback for Tony Robbins, and I'm not saying that there is a, several ways to look at Tony Robbins' behavior. I believe it was a microcosm of corporate environment where force is used to achieve objectives and fighting back is labeled as aggression and anger and emotional. Now, I don't know if Tony Robbins' behavior was hubris or ignorance or something else. Ignorance as in not knowing, not as in him not being a, an intelligent man. I really believe he's a very intelligent person and he understood what he was doing and how it was coming across. But I may be wrong. When people are fighting back uh, for relevance or safety, to tell them that their fight will not make them happy pretty much is tantamount to encouraging surrender. Now, he later apologized and said that the teacher needed to learn. Uh, for someone with his experience and knowledge, learning should have been a regular part of his actions. And rather than being dismissive of her comments and statements, he should have and could have been more reflective in the moment. That would have been much more important. Uh, with all this, I still believe Tony Robbins is a much more self-aware uh, person than that is represented in these clips.
Um, that's going to wrap up today. And I want to thank everybody for joining me uh, this afternoon. Uh, alrighty. I'll be back next Saturday at 2 o'clock. Uh, make sure you, you join me. You can, you can replay the video podcast here on YouTube. And the audio podcast is available on Stitcher.com, Podcast.com, and the iTunes Store. Also, in the Google Music Play Store. The Internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. Like, share, and comment on this episode where you find it, because it matters. As always, be cool, be calm, and above all, be careful. Look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you.